higher than we've ever gone with you before. You said no one knows the width, the depth, the height, the breadth of your love. So God, we want to go further in it than we've ever gone before. Oh, take us each where we've never been, God, so we can know you and see you and do the things you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Let's just worship.
verse to this song to fill me up. And would you just sing the verse? Oh, just such a precious song. And from the heart today, would we sing this? As leaders, you provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit. And I will open up inside. Oh, let that be our heart. words, but I'm going to ask you to write those down and share them with, with us later. I know that some of you have some words right now that God is speaking to you. Just don't forget to share them with us later. 
Oh, Lord, would you just move, God, as we prepare to hear the word of God preached. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you bless the Lord? Amen. Would you just find your way back to your seat as you do? You could turn the lights on first, Brother Andrew. Just write down those words because I just feel we need to get into the, what the man of God has brought for us today. Let us all come into this section right here. Jared, if you need to pull up a bunch of chairs behind, do so. Uh, Andrew, if you could raise the house lights just a little bit, please. I want to share with you a couple things as I get ready to introduce uh, Pastor Ron to us and his wife, uh, Pastor Carolyn. What is important to me is relationship, relationship with God, relationship with others. And throughout my life, I've always felt rejection in relationships. And that was uh, something that really I dealt with with God. Now, it has nothing to do with my upbringing because my parents always loved and accepted me. Uh, it was just a demonic attack upon my life, you know, for me to choose rebellious ways to then to live according to drugs and rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I really started to deal with rejection. And when I got saved, it was such a tremendous thing to know that Jesus loved me and that I could be a part of the body of Christ. But I really didn't get a chance to connect to local churches because the moment I got saved, uh, I went to, you know, the moment, but nine months later I went to Bible college. And so I never really got to experience the love of a local church and to be brought up in it. So then I, I went directly into Bible college, and they became to me spiritual parents, you know, kind of uh, in that culture. And that's why Brother Anthony is still over our church and over my life because of that relationship. But one of the greatest testimonies that I can personally share is that God has brought me into relationships in the church. Um, and that's weird to say it that way because I started church planning at 22. So basically as a dysfunctional Christian Bible college graduate, I started planting a church with a denomination. And, and by God's grace, I didn't, you know, get anybody seriously hurt, you know. Uh, and we did good things. And by the end of that time, their souls were saved, lives were changed. But one of the reasons why I believe I had to merge that church to move past that church was because I didn't know how to operate in relationships. And dealing in the inner city, it was like, you know, two peas in a pod. You know, when I was, you know, sitting and talking to my congregation about dysfunctional relationships, they could totally understand. So it was like hurt people ministering to hurt people. And there wasn't a lot of healing. Uh, and and I that's one of my biggest regrets is that I wasn't able to understand relationships there, you know. But right at the end, I believe I got a, a vision of that. Well... Pastor Grogan, who you've had a chance to meet uh, as SUM, some of the SUM students, maybe not everyone here, got to introduce me into the church world. And then so I got to become more normalized. And he really helped, you know, shave off some of the crazy edges of me. But there was always this longing from where I had come from, you know, my hometown, my city, where I had been born and raised, where I had learned the things of God. Like, where are those relationships? And um, there was... Some misunderstandings, you know, at one time I, I came into a service where Jeff, David Hogan's right-hand man, was preaching and, and uh, an usher asked me to leave, and, and Pastor Ron doesn't even remember that. He doesn't, un, he doesn't uh, remember that, but that was my impression at that time. And it, but it was more me because I had a spirit of rejection, and I really just felt rejected. Well, long story short, when my parents uh, 
my, my dad, as you know, and, and my mom were looking for a church. When they went back to Pastor Ron and, and Pastor Carolyn, it meant so much to me. And, I want to sh- and I'm taking this time to make a long introduction for a reason because this is a testimony to me about relationships. Relationships. You see, what the vineyard at that time, now Heartland, but it, you know, it was never a name. It was two people. It was a husband and a wife. That's what it was. You guys get what I'm saying? They changed their name from Vineyard to Heartland, but it never changed their heart. That's, that's why sometimes I'll call it Vineyard, but it, it, the name is insignificant. What they did in my family's life was the most formative things of Christianity that I ever saw at that time. For example, the first time we went and fed the poor was with the Vineyard Church. I saw my dad with the youth pastor bundle up groceries. They sent us out. That was the youth event. We did that there. When I first got saved, I knew I had to go feed the poor. That was because I had saw that done. Speaking in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, raising hands in worship. That's what I saw my parents do. That's what I saw Sister Carolyn. She led the worship there. My dad was the drummer, like Ishmael, like you're the drummer. That was my dad. I saw that. Amen. And, and you got to bear with me. I'm going to say this, if not just for the tape, for people to hear this. I hope you guys get blessed, but I need to say this for somebody. Relationships mean something, and they mean something to God. And I'm so happy that they're here. I'm so happy. The call to plant churches came from the meetings that they did in the city. When I tell you about SUM students, and those of you here, when I tell you the story that a man preached on church planning, I went to the altar, and there I was. It was at the conference they had had in the city. And that's his name. Amen. Steve. I won't try to pronounce his last name. The... The apostolic I saw when David Hogan was their friend and came to preach there to understand church planning, signs and wonders. And uh, uh, David Hogan had a friend here, uh, Pastor Steve, in the city for a while. He's moved. That's the church they came from, so we could pray for Pastor Steve as well because uh, David Hogan's a hard man to get along with. We all know that. But that's where I saw in that church. Are you guys listening to me? And now I just want to say this, for, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. This is a new relationship between us and them. I don't know how far it will go. I know he is not trying to take the place of Brother Anthony. That is not his heart. He would not want that to happen. So you guys don't have to get scared and go, does Brother Anthony, Does that now mean Brother Anthony's not in the picture? No. And if you weren't thinking that, and I just made you think that, I'm sorry because I shouldn't have had you think that. But I just, in case anybody does, because, you know, I want to clarify, this is a new relationship. And if we don't do anything else other than just have him pour into us the wisdom of those years and the faith of my childhood, I am okay with it. I am not coming to fundraise at his church. I'm not coming to preach at his church. I'm not coming to do anything with Heartland other than to have a relationship with their pastor. And if they get jealous, I'll tell them, you know, that uh, we'll give them some flowers on the way back so they can bring to the congregation. I don't know what to do. But they're here with us this Sunday. That's the relationship this is. And I take that very seriously because you guys have seen me at many, many times be the rogue, be the only one, starting SUM, the only one in this city, the only one going street event. You know, we become like these, uh, you know, like these righteous martyrs. You know, we're the only ones. We're the only ones. My pastor is the only one. And I want to say, no, 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 I'm not. No, we're not. 
we're not the only ones. And I wrote about that on the blog today, passing the torch. The torch has been passed. It's a generational blessing, and we welcome them here. We want to learn from them. He may scare you sometimes, okay? He may scare you, but that's okay because that's what, probably what I might look like in 30 years from now. God have mercy. Let's give it up for Pastor Ron and Sister Carolyn as they come. Amen. I'm going to get to first story now. Uh, this has been on my heart all day, and I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. But through the worship, um, which was wonderful, by the way, I really felt like the Lord was saying someone specifically today has been crying out to God for some time now. You have, you feel like you're in a big rat race, like on a merry-go-round that you can't get off of, and you are desperate to hear from God for a decision that you need to make in your life. And you go from crisis to crisis or from relationship to relationship, from work situation to work situation, and you can't hear clearly from God. And it's, it's the, the Lord Jesus is saying today, I want relationship with you where you learn to listen to me and hear me. And he's saying to you that there is a way for you in the middle of all the busyness in the middle of day-to-day stuff that we all have to live in, there is a way for you to hear the still, small voice of God. If you take Psalm 46 and you read, be still and know that I am God. And that's in the middle of him, you know, all these fire things going out and, the, the, the you know, the bows being broken, the, the, the awesomeness of, of God's power and what it does. And he's, all this is going on, the works of God, the signs and wonders, and he's about relationship Jesus wants your ear and you can have it in the middle of all the stuff that's going on so if I, I know there's someone that's just particular that a, a big decision you've got to make and you feel like you're in the middle of a big barrel and it's just ringing you kind of hear some sounds out here and it's not getting through you'll raise your hand and pray for me I want to lay my hands on and pray for you because I right now Okay. Let's get her on tape. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to the church. Just pop up for a bit. Yeah, you're welcome. I grew up speaking German. I did grow up speaking Cherokee because nobody knew how to speak English so well. It takes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It takes four generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph together to do kingdom work. I love the fact you're young, but don't be, let anyone ever despise you in your youth, but only devalue the fact that it's fathers who lay up for children, not children for fathers. So I come on purpose, not taking an honorarium or having you meet my expenses. I'm here to make an investment, and it comes to my account. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? So if I take you to lunch, don't you even try to buy my lunch. Okay? It's a spiritual principle for me. Fathers lay up for children. 
My fondest dream is to find not only uh, Joseph Apostolic Joe and, and Nancy, but to find those young men I can hand the baton off to further along than where I got it, and yet be a part and be cheering and, and be resource and, and to see you guys exceed beyond your wildest dreams of what God wants to do. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? I believe in you because I believe in the Lord. I believe in what's calling you. I follow you. You got Jesus in you? So if you have Jesus in you, what do you lack? Does God lack anything? All right. So you have everything you need in Christ in you. Now, the issue is whether he's got all of us or not. That's, that's the issue. All right. I do have just a little bit of Bible, and then I want to do some Q&A, and then I, I think I do have a couple more prophetic words. If, um, would Carolyn's? I've just learned that when she gets that, just let her go because something will be released. By the way, while she's doing that, Lord, I want that too. If, if you want to just agree with what she's praying over, Albert, just say, raise your hand and say, Lord, me too. When God's passing out gifts, we can all have some, right? All right, me too, Lord. She's a much better preacher than I am. You guys will learn that. <laughs> Nobody stands and cheers when I preach, but when she comes to the pulpit at, at Fort Wayne, they always cheer for her. I don't understand that. It's wrong. It's wrong. Ephesians 4, 11. And he himself, who's he himself? Who is that? Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, is that one office or two? You know what? I don't even care. In fact, I think most Christians at some point in their time, in their life, are going to operate in all of these five. And when you're leading a group, to some degree, I don't know what a baby apostle is or a grown-up apostle. I know that we're on a scale of developing and maturing in that deposit that God's given to us. And, and when we exercise it, it gets more mature. It gets more fruitful. Have you noticed that more people get healed when you pray for them than when you don't? More people get saved if you ask them than when you don't. You, would you like to know two of my favorite pickup lines in Jesus' name? Because I, I, I love to do this. If I get a chance, I'll, I'll pull it on Joe. But um, I'll sit with somebody, and I like to, you know, John Wimber, my mentor, used to do this all the time. When we go out to eat, it was always going to be a revival meeting. doesn't matter. We could be in Coco's. John Wimber's founder of the Vineyard. Anybody ever hear him? Okay, you don't. That's You're missing in that part. Joe will fill you in the blanks. So we'd be sitting there in Coco's eating a patty melt. And he'd say to the waitress, when was God more than just a word to you? When was God last more than just a word to you? And she'd stop. And she says, I don't think he ever has been. Would you like to know God is more than just a word? Could I pray for you that that would happen for you? Well, then five seconds, she's weeping. She's on her floor. We've got cooks coming out of the kitchen, kneeling there and getting saved. That's how I want to do church. Amen. See, why do you want to be this mamby-pamby vanilla stuff? Or if God were real and he could answer only one prayer and you knew he'd answer it, what would you ask him for right now? 
What would you ask him for? All right, let's agree, all of us, right now. This is a prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, when earth gets in agreement with heaven, then heaven can move. That's a prayer of agreement. Not a one of your family is going to be lost. In Jesus' name, we ask for the souls of this precious family. Just call them out by name, if you would. You don't have to stop now. You can just keep going right on through the day and through tonight. Okay. So, Lord, we ask for that because it's according to your will. We ask that every obstacle would be rendered null and void and that the kingdom of God by angelic messengers and ministers for the graces of the saints would be dispatched and souls would come into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Pickup lines. What are your pickup lines? What do you do to provoke a divine conversation? Here's my prayer. Every day I pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, today give me a divine appointment with someone who's not my family or friend so I can talk about you. Every day I pray that, guess what happens? I'm standing at Walmart again. This happens in Walmart. I go to Walmart a lot. All right. Uh, I don't go to Target because I'm not a gourmet. But anyway, all right. Uh, and uh, this 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 gal standing there, she's probably early 20s, and she's kind of all teary, and I said, you having a bad day? She goes, <laughs> and I said, she goes, I didn't know, I mean, I just was kind of like this. She says, you're a pastor, aren't you? Word of knowledge, I don't know how she knew me. Of course, Fort Wayne's not that big. And she says, would you pray for me? I did. Guess what happened? So I go back in two days later, and she's all smiles. And she starts telling me this testimony. How, I said, well, what are you going to do with that? I said, was that just a one-time event? Or does God calling you to a lifestyle? And where are you going to find a family of faith that will support and encourage you to grow in this grace of knowing God intimately, who will be involved in your life in every detail? I didn't have to tell her she needed to marry her boyfriend. She's got three kids by three different men. She needs help. Jesus is the answer. That's why we're the church. Okay. Now, when I come back here and I look at these, we get these lofty ideas. What does an apostle do, literally? He's a sent one. Anybody here sent? What's your favorite Great Commission passage? Mine is John 20, 21. As the Father sent me, so send I you. Hello, Jesus. Aren't you an ambassador of Christ? Don't you have that authority, the kingdom of heaven, to represent the powers of heaven in the earth? Okay, so you're an apostle. Some are prophets. What's a prophet do? Speaks the heart of God to the heart of man. That's my favorite definition. All a prophet's doing is speaking the heart of the Father to the heart of man or woman or whatever. I'm not trying to be, we don't get into that weird stuff. All right. Evangelist. What's that, evangelon? What's that mean in the Greek, literally? Good news. Okay, how many Christians are bad news? Good news. One thing I love about your dad, I mean, I just, I can come in and kind of be worn and, and under the thing, and, and he's in my office for about five seconds, man, and I'm ready to, to jump rope and skip and go to heaven. He is good news. What's his gift primarily? He's an evangelist. Yeah, he's an 
Barnabas, see, we don't think, all you have to do is encourage. Encourage means to build up, to edify. It, it, it's amazing how little compliments make a big difference. You know, I, I'm careful about telling somebody something like, you have beautiful eyes. Though you know you do, right? Okay. So you have beautiful eyes. But I'd rather say, when you touch your husband that way, that really moves my heart. Now, what does that do to all of us? We start grinning. Are you better or worse, Albert? Is it Albert? Alfred. What? What is your name? Alberto. Edberto. I'll call him Eddie. Is that okay? Can I call you? I can call you King Edward. You are crowned with God's favor for all your life. You are blessed to be a blessing. You have his favor going out, coming in all the time, sloshing, running over. Edify. Pastor. What's a pastor do? Literally. What's that word mean? Anybody ever been around sheep? We raise sheep in western Kansas on this farm. Sheep are stupid. <laughs> when, when God calls us his little lambs, it's not a compliment. <laughs> really, sheep are very, very mentally challenged. They stink. If there's an easy way and a hard way, guess what? They always choose the hard way. My cousin and I were driving a 1,000 head of sheep one time to winter pasture going down a country road, no fences, out in the middle of western Kansas, miles and miles, 10 miles from anywhere. And we came to a little bridge over a creek. The sheep separate and half go down into the ditch on one side and half go down in the ditch on the other side. <laughs> they get in the water and they start walking on each other, drowning the ones underneath. I am really aggravated. The Lord speaks to me. I'm 16 at the time. And I'd already known God had called me to pastor. God says, I'm showing you the state of my church. That same trip, we're another five miles, that we're moving about ten miles. Uh, a coyote comes over a hill about a mile away and starts toward the flock. Now, when we got away from, they, they would spread out. And uh, just the two of us, and uh, anyway, it's a long story. This coyote knocks this ewe over, rips open her belly, and starts eating before she's dead. And he says, the Lord says to me, too many of my pastors are like that coyote. You understand what? Now, I can't. Now, the correction to abuse is not disuse, it's correct use. We can do better than that. Now, don't be surprised if little lambsy divies act like lambs. Lanolin will make your skin fall, but it stinks. Guys, it's just, we have to understand that it's not about comfort or convenience. It's about glory. Our calling in Christ is the most important thing on planet Earth. And if all God wanted to do was get us to heaven, as soon as we get saved, our feet would just splash through the roof. By the way, if my feet do that, hang, don't hang on. I want to go. All right. That's a, that's a deal. All right. 
sorry. Teachers. What do teachers do? They do. How do they teach? What, what does that mean? Teachers take ideas and concepts and facts and make them available, put them within reach, usually through an experience. Now, in the church, we call it prophetic activation. Okay. Here, let's do a prophetic activation. Um, somebody you're sitting next to, anybody have anything? You guys don't have pockets, do you? Okay, you got anything in your pocket? Nothing. People don't put things in their pockets anymore. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify just one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. All right. You two guys here. What's your name again? Monica. Good German name. What part of Germany are you from? Yeah. I have a lot of relatives in Bremen. You know where that is up in the north? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I love flying in and out of Frankfurt, but I don't like going to the airport. I like the south. I like Munich. Yeah. All right. You guys talk. Okay, here's what you do. I want you to look at an article of clothing, and it could be an earring or eyeglasses or something. And I want to ask, in light of what you look at when you see someone, just an appearance, I want to ask God to give you a prophetic word for them that would bless them based on what you see by the natural mind. You understand? Is that too hard for you? Okay, do it. Go. Yeah, we picked on Joe. He's got this beautiful plaid shirt on, very UK. Uh, is that because of the Olympics? Yeah, yeah. But I'd say, you know, Joe, you're really a black and white guy, and you're really complex, but you're a beautiful person. Old guy with style looking at his ass. Oh, man. Okay, well. Those are styled glasses? Five bucks, Kmart or someplace. All right. Okay, so we think of these things. When we read this off, don't get religious on these. Stop and think about the function. I'm more interested in the function because the unction's for the function and not in the title. Title and turf don't matter. The only thing that matters is who's going to be the servant of all. Okay, so when we look at these things, it's okay, and I think there's some other ones that maybe aren't even in the list. But these are the ones that God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to look at. Now, verse 12, you've got your little iPhone jobbies there. For the equipping, say equipping. Equipping, equipping of the saints, say saints. saints. 
Who's to be equipped? Who are saints? How do you get to be a saint? Well, you've got to perform a lot of miracles, and the Pope has to say you are. Right, St. Joe? Get born again, and you're a saint of God. Okay. Set apart. How are we holy? Okay, it says, be holy for I'm holy. Uh, Hebrews, uh, what is it, uh, 12, 14. Without holiness, no one shall see God. Anybody think holiness is too hard a, a standard? Let me give you a definition that will help you with people who don't understand it. Holiness is when you have nothing in your heart but a yes toward God. Holiness is when you, no debate with anyone or anything else, just yes, God. Then you're holy. You're holy his, right? Okay, that's what he's after, is that big yes. Now, this word equipping, and I, you know, we don't have to go through the whole teaching here today on this one. I might try this again some other time. But I really, I felt like I should really focus on this word equipping. In the Greek, this word basically describes a fisherman mending his nets. Now, when you go back and you do the etymology of that a little bit, it has three basic meanings. And this is worth wording down. You guys, this will teach. This will preach. Okay? This will give you good stuff. Number one, it means to bring things into a relationship so that they can be healed. It means not only speaking the word of healing, but it means providing an atmosphere, a climate, an environment, a relational community where healing can take place. A climate of healing, an environment of healing, a community of healing, equipping. Like you would take the broken strands of a, of, a, of a net and begin to weave them back together again and maybe put in some new pieces to make it stronger than it was before. By the way, we're always stronger where we've been healed. Please hear that. And we get to be agency healing before God's totally finished with us. We're wounded healers. We all get to do it. You don't have to wait. Right? And sometimes your own healing comes as you're an agent of healing for someone else. Okay, so that's the first point of, of equipping is to heal. Second point is to lay foundations. You're putting something in place that will be foundationally uh, uh, have integrity and function and, and be able to stand up to the task, uh, be able to, to last through the exercise. Are you following what I'm saying about equipping? It means giving a foundation, a foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Okay? Now, when we talk about foundations, we're talking about biblical foundations. We're talking about devotional and relational foundations. We're talking about, um, like, life skills. For example, you know, most of us did not grow up in families, our FUIs, family of origin issues, F-O-O-I. Okay, we all have FUIs, right? Oh, FUI. All right, family of origin issues. Most of us didn't learn uh, to watch or, or observe very healthy communication patterns. Like, for example, you know the difference between an I message and a you message? We'll, we'll role play this one. You dummy, you're just like your mother. You can't even balance a checkbook. Well, 
we had checks. Why don't, if we have checks, we have money, right? Actually, when we were first married, we had this argument. <laughs> That's called a you message, which means put up the deuce and slug it out. You messages separate. Okay, an I message is this, same, same subject. Honey, uh, I, I've been reconciling the checkbook, and I don't know, we're like 50 bucks overdrawn. What happened? Can you help me understand this? God, I really want to be good with this, but did we forget to talk about something? The issue's still the issue, but I've asked her to come to my aid and to partner with me to solve the problem. Now, I'm not a woman, but I've been around and been married a long time. But my understanding is if you invite your wife to help you, she's a lot more likely to help you than if you attack her for being stupid. I don't think it's just a gender issue either. Are you with me? So when we're teaching people foundations, you know, even uh, we're going to get better at everything we do in terms of our communication style, being approachable, being vulnerable, being accountable. I mean, I would think by the time I'm my advanced age, I would never have made any more mistakes. That poster I have, of all the things that I have lost, I miss my mind the most. <laughs> and Carolyn says, you don't have much of your mind left because you've been giving people a piece of it for so long. <laughs> you've given it all away. All right. So what are we saying? We're saying we, we, we have to model this stuff, not just teach it in terms of information. This is not about information. This is about transformation. Your life groups are about transformation, not just information. And, and if you don't know the answer to a question, just say, I don't know, but let's find out. Or we can't finish this discussion tonight, but let's have it some more. And some of these issues we'll come up with when we're dialoguing with people. It may be one issue over months, but when that breakthrough comes, everything else just falls into place. One of the couples we led to the Lord in, in December, Jessica. This gal struggled with a lot of stuff. Is the Bible really the word of God? Yeah. Well, once she got that stuff nailed down, she's off like a rocket, man. She wrote counsel the other day on Facebook to one of the, the women that she, quote, is supposed to be being mentored by. It was incredible. She was like hearing from Joyce Meyer, wasn't it? I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to give you the pulpit and let you preach. Good stuff. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, teaches. When we're in the Word, the Holy Spirit's active. You cannot, by the way, Here's, here's the legalism that will just mess you up, make you all Pharisees, all right? No breakfast before Bible and no bed before Bible. What am I saying? Get in a posture and say, God, teach me something out of this text here. Now, you can read it without asking that question. You won't get near out of it what you will if you just simply, when you begin to read, say, God, just... Show me something today I haven't seen before, or something I need. And he may show you something that's not even in the text that relates something way over here that you didn't want to even look at. Anybody know that besides me? Or is he just honoring? I know I need a lot of honoriness from the Holy Spirit. I know. Third thing on equipping. So we have healing, we have foundations, and the third thing is skills. So equipping is about activity. It's about doing. It's not just about thinking or having an opinion or having a feeling. Okay? It's about doing. 
is having the skill. Um, for example, one time I tried to uh, help Carolyn out. She was gone for a few days on some ministry trip, or other. I decided that I would help her by organizing the kitchen while she was gone. Why you say that? <laughs> I'm alive. I'm barely alive. I never will do that again. That's in my book. 371 things never to do again in the ministry. Okay. Why? 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 Oh, I had a wonderful skill. It was perfectly logical. <laughs> by, by Western Kansas Quaker farmer logic. I prioritized everything based on the reach and where it was and how, okay. It didn't take but more than about three hours to do. Guys, we don't, I love the fact to say one size doesn't fit all. We're, we've got a launching pad, okay? So we're in the launching pads, not in the boxes. By the way, the only people getting boxes usually are dead. Okay, so we want to create launching pads. The thing we have to do is we're not the same. I, I mean, I'm, have, have you noticed? So we all bring a gift mix, a, a, a divine endowment, intuitively, rationally, behaviorally, relationally. That's all. We need the church as God's idea because we can't do it by ourselves. And it's God's idea because he doesn't want us doing it by ourselves. And he wants us growing the grace of honoring and preferring each other above ourselves. You don't need to put yourself down. That's not what he's saying. Don't think of yourself less than you should, but don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Right? And that takes a certain amount of experience and maturity, having feedback, and looking honestly in the mirror and looking at your own strengths and shortcomings. Okay, right now, I want you to think of your three greatest strengths that are yours. They can be character, they can be conduct, they can be uh, uh, intellectual. How many, how many of you got three in your mind? Only three. You don't have to go 45 or 50. <laughs> okay. All at once, one, two, three. Tell me three. One, two, three. Now, here's the point. Did you say it? Whispering Carolyn's here. Says Joe, I want you to criticize it. That's here's the thing we got to be careful of, guys. There's our perception of what we think is true about other people, but what we've often missed in the church is letting people speak out of their own calling, what they understand before God is true. And I want to tell you, it took me years to figure this out, because I, I've got a gift. I think apostolic gift, calling people into their destiny. At, at times, I've messed up on it too, so it's not like 2020. I don't get it right all the time. But I found something profound happen when people begin to tell me their passion. People will always drift back to their passion, just like a, a needle points to true north. Does that make sense to you? So even in the church, especially as you're small, you're you're not thousands or ten thousands yet, and it may be in circles and all kinds of ways that God does that. I'm not sure you'll ever displace Willow Creek. I hope you don't. That's a whole other story. Church is not a purveyor of religious goods and services. Church is a community of faith that makes disciples. All right. 
We got that one. I, I won't go bad on you anymore. Well, the coin's in the fish's mouth. Here, here's how I say it. Our kingdom assignment is to change the world one life at a time by making disciples of Jesus Christ in thought, word, and deed. Would you agree with that? Let's sign up and do that. With signs and wonders following. Knocking down the gates of hell and setting the captive free. Healing the sick, raising the dead. Twice I have. I'd like to do it some more. Any volunteers? We don't resurrect the dead. The dead are resuscitated. They still die. Lazarus died after he was resuscitated. Okay. Again, a person with an experience is not the mercy of somebody with the argument. Here, here's the thing. I, I know you love David Hogan, and we were enamored for a while. I lived with him long enough to know the other side. And there's a danger in the charismatic movement with hyping the river into a trickle. And you don't have to exaggerate to try to make God look good. It either did or it didn't. So I'm, I'm into word of faith and being positive, but I'm not into denial and lying. And I don't think my Bible's a little magic genie I rub three times and give me Cadillac, you know. All right. It's okay with me. Do it. I'll take the heat. But, but it's coming out of this church. You know, I... You guys have such a grace on you and such an authority and such a favor that there will be those um, deposits of God's activity in your midst that are going to be remarkably wild and wonderful. But don't let the tail wag the dog. What happened to Toronto? So wonderful fruit came out of Toronto, but they hyped the river into a trickle. And so what became the entertainment was the phenomenology, and it was about holy living and doing the works of the kingdom except for Roland Hyde and Baker, and I'm proud of them. We, we love what they do. Taking care of 10,000 orphans is good and planting almost that many churches. That'll look good on your record. But there's a lot of people just got the goosebumps and the shakes and the shivers and all kinds of stuff and croak like frogs and whatever, growl like bears. Here's the thing. That's okay, but you know enough about revival. When it comes, it's a mixture. God comes to people who are human beings. And they're flawed, frail human beings. And if you've got weird in you and God touches you, weird will come out. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? Squeeze the toothpaste tube, it comes out. All right? So when God begins to move. After a while, though, weird ought to quit coming out. And what ought to start coming out when God touches us is Jesus. Yeah, maybe we ought to throw this tape away. You know... Uh, how are we doing on time? Are you guys okay with me for a little bit? When do you get tired, just got to leave. It's all right. I'm used to it. I preach till everybody's gone. I'm going to wrap it up pretty quick here. Let me just finish these three points. Yeah, I do. I want. That's what I want to do. I want to prophesy some more. But defer to you. This is your house, Dave. This is your house. Grandpa's understand that. See, why do I say that? When I was a kid, let me just tell you one little story. Can I tell you a quicker story from the farm? All right. Grandpa's 62 or 3. He's, the farm's been in the family for two or three generations. He comes in one day at the breakfast table, and Grandma's fixing breakfast for Junior and his son. And, and Grandpa says to Junior, you know what? I'm going to hand you the farm. When? Today. We're going to go down the bank, sign some papers, and it's your farm. I'll work for you, but I'm not going to be the boss anymore. You're the boss. 
Now, how long has Junior worked on that farm? All his life. Junior's probably in his 40s. Junior's son is probably out of high school, maybe in his early 20s, maybe even been married. Maybe there's another little juniorette down there somewhere. Okay, it could be four generations. I watched this happen over and over again as a kid. On a handshake and a prayer, making a trip to the bank, signing some papers, next day Junior's the boss. Now, here's what would happen. Junior would say, you know that 80 acres we have over there? I always thought we ought to put that in corn. Grandpa didn't say anything. Just do whatever you want to do, son. Well, so Junior puts that in corn, and the corn does terrible. And he goes, Dad, how come we never put corn away? He says, because that soil's not good for corn. Oh. <laughs> now, Junior's boy is watching all this. You see what I'm saying, what happens in that generation? If each generation will step into its duly assigned leadership at the appropriate time, a lot of things get sorted out. And it doesn't have to happen today. We've got time. If God was worried, the rapture would have happened about a thousand years ago. He's not worried. There's no crisis meeting in heaven. No angel is panicking today. Who's in control? I don't. I think we just should put a big fence around the Beltway and have the world's largest zoo. But don't tell anybody I said that, guys. The answer to the human heart and need and the needs of society in this hedonistic, narcissistic, selfish, secular, perverse generation that is emerging, godless, is what? Is this the first time this has ever happened in history? Have you read just what happened before the last great awakening, before the Civil War in this country? It's pretty nasty. Worse than it is now, actually, in some ways. God sent revival. God's sending revival. I'm here to announce revival's on the way. Hallelujah. My children and my grandchildren are not going to miss having a move of God. I've got Bible for that. Okay, I, three things. Stand with me. First, equipping is first what? Healing. healing. What did you hear me say about healing that's important? Okay. okay, listen to this. We create a climate, an atmosphere where healing can take place. Do we make healing happen? I never healed anybody. But again, I notice more people get healed when I pray than when I don't. There's my part and God's part. What's my part? Prayer of faith. And I'll, my faith doesn't have to be very big. How big does it have to be? Yeah. The issue is not the size of faith. The issue is the size of God. Okay, right? We got that one. Okay. So healing. So if we have a value on healing, what do we have? We have a practice. See, people say, oh, I have a value on taking care of the poor. And I say, well, how do you do it? I mean, we, we feed 16,000 meals a month out of our little church. Not much. Probably about, you're probably bigger than we are, aren't you? Oh. We died. Have you ever told the story of what happened to us? In a nutshell. Maybe I will. I mean, I'm getting checked. Okay, so healing, an atmosphere, a climate, an activity. We have a value. We have a practice. Second thing is, is foundation. I don't, you know, I don't want to read books. God, I 
theology books? Let me tell you what. If you don't get the word into you, the word won't get into you. Period. You know, David says, that, you know, your word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a preventative. It's a correctief. It's an instructive. It's an equipping. What did Paul tell Timothy about the word? It is able to do what? 3.16. Timothy. That's one of those Bible verses you put on a refrigerator, guys. Now, we don't have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Book. We have a Holy Spirit, right? But this is the Word of God. It is the will of God. This is how God communicates and works in the earth. If you're ignorant of this, you're really in trouble. 99% of what the Holy Spirit speaks to us when he's talking to us in those whispers comes out of here. You've got to have it. Well, I don't care if you don't like reading. If you stutter, you have to read with addiction. Read it. You just be glad I'm not your pastor. I just read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, devour it. What do you do? Well, you read it till you believe it, and then you read it because you believe it. See, you read it till you get an appetite for it, and you can't live without it. It becomes your lifeline with God by the Holy Spirit, bringing revel. Oh Lord, I pray that you release revelation, wisdom. Those two things I always pray every day. Why? What's revelation? God speaking that which I do not know yet. Wisdom, seeing life from his perspective. The contrast in Proverbs is between wise and foolish, not smart and dumb. You can be really smart and be totally foolish if you're trying to make life happen on your terms. Life's too big for that. It only works on God's terms. Amen? Okay, we're on there. Put one on. Third one. Skills. Ministry skills, Bible skills, life skills. So, Dave Ramsey's finance course. See, I think if you don't tithe, you rob God. We tried not tithing. We went so far in debt, we find I remember sitting at the table crying and reprinting, cutting up our credit cards. And choosing not to go bankrupt. Selling what we had to pay what we had and then paying as we go. Your folks were married 60. Seven, how many years were they married? A long time. They never borrowed money, even for a house or a car. They paid cash. If they didn't have it, they saved it. And if they didn't have it, they did without it. And if it broke, they fixed it. I have a feeling in this society, the day will come when a lot of us are going to have to learn to live like that. And maybe we need to teach our children how to live like that. If we want our children to be able to thrive, in a culture when the darkness is getting darker, but the, the light of the Lord gets greater and greater every day. Amen. Okay, so skills. I'm not just talking, you know, transcendental dialecticism and the ground of being as it relates to the realized eschatology of those who don't believe in the authority of Scripture. I actually preached a sermon after I graduated from seminary called something about, what was it? Transcendental and the realized eschatology of, of the, the patriotic age of the church, or something like this. <laughs> and this farmer, he's down in Newcastle, Indiana. This farmer kept going. <laughs> Jim Peacock. Oh, brother. 
he had a Ph.D. in agriculture from Purdue. And uh, I said, what's your Ph.D.? And he goes, manurology. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> Guys, we need to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. We need to be models of how life works. Not perfect, but progressing with humility and teachability and yet being unapologetic for the, the positive grace that's within us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to his resurrection power work in us. Yeah, Greatest power in the world. Over life, over death. I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able healing, foundations, skills. skills. You know, Bible study is just basically three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? SMA. You guys already know that, right? Then do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. We do it by asking questions. Now, the, the last thing I want to say is this, and then we'll stop. As much as you can, avoid, and, and I'm trying to be model this for you today, but it's, it's hard sometimes when an old guy's teaching. And I'm not saying you ought to get legalistic about it or, you know, you're going to get a fine if you don't do it. But try to be more inductive than deductive. Okay. Jesus was very inductive. The Apostle Paul was very deductive. Most of us learned how to teach and preach like Paul and not like Jesus. There's a book written by a father and a son, Lewis and Lewis, out of Asbury Seminary called Preaching Like Jesus. It's about the inductive approach to teaching communication. It, all of us are teachers at some level, whether it's a two-year-old we're trying to train at home or whoever. You know what I'm saying? Inductive, calling people to discover with you the answer by asking the right question. Like I notice with my grandkids, if I ask them a question, well, Melody, how do, how do you think somebody ought to tie their shoes? Well, and she'll, all right, six, Grandpa, just show me. <laughs> and so I said, well, can you do this? Yeah, can you do this? Okay, now, now you show me. Within an hour, she's learned how to tie her shoes. Now, if I sat there with a stick and said, if you don't learn to tie your shoes in the next five minutes, I'm going to beat the heck out of you, all she'd do is bawl. She's very tender-hearted, very shy little girl, right? You're not the world. You don't have a, a right to throw your weight around. You may have authority, but you have no right to abuse that authority. The power of appeal is much, is infinitely more powerful than the power of demand. Learn to make appeals as a leader. Call people to everything they are and continue to, the first time they sit, with you in a, in a room and you share Jesus together, keep calling them to that. What is God saying to you? Are you beginning to see the man or the woman God's calling you to be? Do you understand why God shaped you the way you are? Now, Romans 8, 28, you guys believe this? <laughs> Got to quit. Closing it up. I'm quitting. 
Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose and are being conformed in character and conduct to Jesus. That's my paraphrase. It's, it's accurate, trust me. Okay. Even what God did not will, when you sinned, when you messed up, when you made a big poopy, If you yield that to the to superintendency of the Holy Spirit, he will begin to work in such a way that that message of rebellion becomes a message of redemption. And you bear the marks of his sonship and not as an orphan. God causes. Everything has to be yielded to his superintendency. Right? So what we're talking about equipping the saints is, I think, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It's making disciples. It's reproducing the life of Christ. Can you reproduce the life of Christ in somebody further than what you have yourself? Be careful. That's a trick question. I know you said, I said before, you can't impart what you haven't partaken of. That's true. But listen to what I just asked you. Can you encourage someone in the faith to become more in God than what you are? Absolutely. May God give us Billy Grahams and Bill Brights and Joyce Myers in our children and in our youth and in the stranger who comes off the street. May we see somebody be the next John Wesley or, or Spurgeon or whoever who will arise and in a short period of time just flash to the top in apostolic authority and power and change the world. When I think about we've killed, what now, almost 60 million babies in this country. I wonder who we've killed. God forgive us. All right? Lord, I just would honor and prefer these men and women above myself. Jesus, can I just shift gears here, Joe, for a little bit? I'm going to pick on these guys because I want to speak German. How'd you hook up with her? Did you go to Germany? <laughs> 